supervisors and we will reconvene at 2.30 as the Marin County Housing Board of Commissioners. So if I could have a roll call, Joyce, please. Commissioner Canson. Commissioner Lucan. Here. Commissioner Rice. Here. Commissioner Moulton Peters. Here. Commissioner Rodoni. Here. Commissioner Sackett. Here. Commissioner Hall. Two will be shortly. He's online. Is he online? I would. He's online in the post. Yes, Commissioner Hall is online. Okay. Thank you. Very good. So I'm going to now uh, adjourn us to closed session, and then we'll come back out. All right, here we go. Commissioner Hall, do the borrow from NTT. Uh, the commissioners have gone into closed session. Okay, everyone, we're going to reconvene. We just come out of closed session and direction was given to staff. Uh, and that brings us now to open session again. And uh, item number 13B is the approval of the minutes for our August 22nd, 2023 minutes. Is there, are there any changes or correction from anyone on the board or anyone uh, in the audience today? Okay, I'm not, yes. Move approval of the minutes. Second. Great, uh, let me ask for public comment online. Forgot to do that. There are no speakers indicated. Okay, thank you. So we had a motion by Luke and a second by Canson. All in favor? Aye. 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 Okay, minutes are approved. 
We'll go now to Board of Commissioners matter and the Executive Director's reports. Any Board of Commissioners uh, have anything? Look to my left, look to my right. I'm not seeing any, Kimberly, it's all yours. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Um, this afternoon, I wanted to start my director's report with just giving you an update on our Housing Choice Voucher Program project-based properties, two of them that are happening. The, um, the Housing Choice Voucher team has, has received 33 applications for intake out of the 43 units at South Elysio. And um, we've also received uh, 47 out of 65 application inta intakes for our Vivalon project. In, that's the, the project in San Rafael. Um, managed by Eden Housing. S yes, sorry. I intake is our, our application process. So we, we take the application, we pull people off of our wait list, we review all of the documents, and then we offer them a unit uh, along with the, with the property management teams on these, ca on these cases. So we have been e evaluating all those documents, pulling people off the wait list, working really in tandem with ECS, with um, South Elysio property, and with um, the Eden Housing for the Vivalon pro property. Both of those properties are going to be 100% occupied by November, and we are, we, we all, the team and um, the property management folks feel like we're going to meet those, those deadlines. So that's exciting. We're going to be housing quite a few people here in a few in a month or so. I also want to give an update of the RBRA program. Um, your board approved an affordable housing solution for the anchor out community I in, um, in February. And this is in partnership with RBRA, the housing, the, um, the health and human services that was supported by a one-time gr state grant that came from the Guire's office. And th this program will provide a local subsidized housing, scattered site housing support program for this anchor out community. Since this program started this year, we have issued three vouchers, and two people ha are, have been housed, and one person is currently searching. We are working with um, ECS uh, to provide case management services, and they've just hired somebody in October. So with that new hire, we believe that um, we'll be able to house another 12 people before the end of the year. So that's the goal, and that's really exciting that some folks are really getting off the water, off of unsafe housing before the winter starts and get into um, housing in our community. With public housing, I want to just give an update and a shout out to the staff there, and um, Yashika and Antoinette are both here, but they have been done a great job in the last month housing families in our vacant units in Golden Gate Village and in our senior disabled properties. We've had 10 new families move in in the past 30 days, and we have about another 18 that we're working on right now in the move-in process. So we're, we're going to be moving in a lot more families in the next month or so. So that is um, great news, and um, we're happy that that's all happening quickly. Um, I also wanted to update you on some of the planned capital improvements of our properties. So this is both the Golden Gate Village and for our senior disabled properties. We are doing a sidewalk replacement at our Casanova property in Novato. This, um, this sidewalk here had gotten really um, sort of a lot, a little um, rocky and rolly with some of the roots and other things. And so we're really being able to resurface those sidewalks, which will be great for the seniors and the disabled folks living there. We're, in, we're putting an installation of a new sump pump at our Kruger Pines property in Mill Valley, and that is so that we can address the hillside storm runoff at that property. 
Also, fire abatement um, for the grounds has happened and is completed at Kruger Pines, and it's all scheduled um, in the next couple weeks, or next, next, this week at our other properties. We are replacing the flooring throughout our internal hallways and entrance at the Kruger Pine property. This is a 58-unit property in Mill Valley that has all internal corridors, and that um, has had carpeting that needs to be replaced. It's been about 10 years old now, and we're putting a hard surface in with there to provide a better, uh, better space for the folks living there. Um, we are working with the county and um, to provide a digital divide project, and this will be an upgrade for the internet um, and access to new Chromebooks for all the residents who are living in the senior disabled property. That's a, a grant we were able to work with the county on, and we, ha we, we did receive it, and we're in the process of getting that started, and so seniors will have access to internet. We're also working on a parking lot light upgrade at um, in our Golden Gate Village property. If, if you'll remember, we got a grant from um, um, Congressman Huffman's office and then it partnered with the county to get some funds there, and we are working on getting that approved, working with our resident council to look at different uh, options so that we can provide new lighting options there. And we're finding we're also having to really dig into the to the ground and replace the wiring because a lot of the wiring has deteriorated um, over the years. So that's a big project that uh, our development of um, our developers working on. Um, we're also working on an EV charging. So we're doing an assessment for EV chargers at all of our properties, Golden Gate Village and the senior properties. Uh, and we're working, that's in partnership with MCE and the Bay Area Air Quality Management District. So that's an exciting project. We're, we're hoping we'll be able to, to actually take hold. Um, we're looking at all the possibilities of the electrical upgrades and what needs to happen. Uh, staff will be also working with Golden Gate Village Resident Council regarding the um, Golden Gate Village playgrounds. There's three playgrounds on, on the property there. We want to find the design that will work for the residents and the resident council and then we'll be taking that to our historic consultant and going through that process to have the playgrounds uh, renovated under a, a grant we got from Assemblyman Con Damon Connolly's office. And so we're excited to get that going. And then we're also working on a storm water runoff at Golden Gate Village. And the staff there are working with the county and state agencies to remedy the current storm water runoff situation from, from Highway 101 into the Golden Gate Village hillside. So there's a lot of, lot of capital project that um, Adrian Chorley and his team are working with along with the public housing team to, to address some of these capital projects that need to happen. Um, I also want to highlight the, the work that the Housing Authority is doing with the um, Golden Gate Village Resident Council. Um, we're looking at, we're trying to create a right size housing policy um, this effort includes creating a policy that will ensure all existing overhoused residents at Golden Gate Village wanting to stay at Golden Gate Village will be able to do so. We hope to bring this policy to your board um, next month in, as we work with the Golden Gate Village Resident Council. We're contracting for block captains. So Marin Housing has committed funding to the Resident Council to fund block captains. The purpose of the block captains will be to increase participation among Golden Gate Village residents in leadership roles and for residents to promote community connections. 
uh, the laundry monitors. We, we have committed funding uh, to the Golden Gate Village Resident Council to fund residents to oversee the use of the Golden Gate Village laundry facilities. And the purpose of this position is to promote the care and positive use of the laundry facil facilities. Under this commitment, the Golden Gate Village Resident Council will share revenue from the laundry facility facilities. Uh, the Housing Authority is also committed to providing the Golden Gate Village Resident Council Board with leadership and organizational development training. We have selected a trainer and curriculum. The curriculum will be delivered uh, over approximately six training sessions, and the first training sessions are scheduled to begin in December. These training courses will be offered through NARO, which is a national association of housing and um, redevelopment organizations, and they'll be coming here to, the, to our site to provide this training. The Housing Authority is also committed to providing training and support to the Resident Council to participate in welcoming and orientation, orientating new residents into the community. So that's part of our MOU. We're working with the, with the Resident Council, and they are going to be providing a welcome um, video to new residents along with our staff to really help um, bring a sense of community to all the new folks who are moving in. Uh, and we're also committed to funding an administrative support for the Golden Gate Village Resident Council to assist with managing logistics and communication for all of these, uh, these and other tasks. And the Golden Gate Village is currently recruiting for all of these positions. They're um, working with uh, Chris Barda, our, our procurement program manager, to, to solidify that contract and then really begin hiring all, these, all the staff. Um, through the community center, we have been, we're offering all Golden Gate Village residents free weekly pickleball lessons um, with a current person from Marin City to provide the lessons. And so that's exciting, something new that's starting this Thursday night at 5 o'clock. And non-residents pay, all non-residents pay a fee to use our courts in Golden Gate Village. And a portion of that, those proceeds go to the resident council to help increase their, their funding. Um, the rest of it goes back to the, the folks who, are, who have paid to have the, the units installed, I mean, the courts installed and, and put in for us. And then Housing Authority partnered with the city of Sausalito. We held a health fair last week for Southern Marin. This event was a collaborative event which, which, with um, incredible pr um, vendors, service providers. The Health and Human Service was there. We had music. It was a lot of fun. And I want to thank Commissioner Canson and Supervisor Moulton Peters for being part of this really fun event in the community. We're looking forward to some more of those. There is another one planned in November. Um, and the Housing Authority is also collaborating with the county and community partners in hosting the 2023 Marin City Job and Resource Fair that will be happening next Tuesday from 3 to 7 o'clock down at St. Andrews, right across the street from the 100 lot in Marin City. So we're excited to be part of that, and we'll have a table there as well. The, um, and then I also included the Golden Gate Village um, newsletter that is in your packet, so I'll just so you can see what else is happening in the community and all the other highlights that, that the staff is working on with the residents. And then just lastly, with our revitalization update, the evaluation committee um, will be meeting with the, with the development teams that proposed um, to, for, um, uh, for our, to, to our RFQ that we put out. And um, so they're continuing to meet, and hopefully those interviews will be happening this month and early next month. And that concludes my report. 
That was quite a newsy report, Kimberly. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm going to ask uh, my colleagues on the dais if there's any questions at all. Yes, I see Commissioner Kim. Um, I'm glad to see that uh, the MOU will include that orientation program. I think that'll be really helpful for new tenants. Um, the question I wanted to ask is about, um, since we're talking about uh, tenancy, is about the coordinated entry program. So for seniors and disabled with coordinated entry program, how does that work um, for people? Since it's not a first come, first serve thing, it goes across all entry programs. And um, I mean, you probably can guess why I'm asking because I'm <laughs> concerned about one of our return to Marin City tenants, uh, Claude Burton. And so I'm trying to figure out um, how we can do that better since I know that um, that's a system that we can have loopholes. For instance, he was in the hospital when he was, uh, the fireside was applied to his waiting list point. And so I'm just trying to figure out how does that, can you explain just briefly how that works and how we can have that system be better and who's the contact for that person? So the coordinated entry is actually run um, through the county of Marin, and you can there it can be uh, um, uh, connected by, by ce at marincounty.org. The, the way folks are prioritized for any of the homeless service programs and housing that we have is by using a vulnerability index. And uh, so families, people are prioritized by their health and other issues that would put them at the higher level of um, being homeless and going through the coordinated entry. Um, that is really different though than um, Fireside. So Fireside is a project-based property that is run by Eden Housing in and Homeward Bound does the support services there. Those programs, we do provide project-based vouchers to some of those units. Mm -hmm. So when a unit comes up, um, people do come off of, of our project-based wait list, and when a unit is and when a unit is available, we pull people from the wait list and offer, and then they will work with Eden Housing. So that's how the, that program works. So kind of different programs, okay. um, but it's it's you know the, the the sad truth is that there's so many people in need of of housing and the lists are just impacted and closed across the county in most cases. So um, it's, it's, it's um, we're, we're trying to you know, address everyone we can, but the reality is there's many people we just aren't able to help with the limited number of vouchers and housing that we have. Right, but if, if they get reassessed through the uh, uh, coordinated reentry, is there a person that the coordinated reentry works with at Marin Housing? Is there a certain... Yes, we we are working with um, we work very closely with the coordinated entry plan. Uh, uh, to we have two of our staff that go to the meeting every every week, so they would know. So anybody who would come back and be reevaluated, we they're all they talk about those in those coordinated entry meetings. Okay, so do you know who who the staff contact are? I mean, it, it, it's not just for this one tenant; it's for multiple tenants that I've heard that are senior, or disabled, or have problems and and living in shelters, and and not always the shelter does the best deal for these tenants. And so it'd be nice to know uh, just who the contact people are, like who who make sure that paperwork gets from one agency to another? Uh, it would probably be, you probably want to go to CE at Marin Housing, or I'm sorry, marincounty.org, and then 
Um, at my at our staff would probably be uh, Samantha Gazowski. Okay, who's our program manager. Okay, and then one more question. So um, I know you're doing new lighting at Golden Gate Village, but what about the cameras? What was the progress on the cameras? The cameras have really taken a slowdown because of the electrical upgrade that's needed and the internet upgrades that are going to be hopefully part of this upgrade that we will do to the lighting. But we we're not able to that there, there's not enough um, bandwidth or um, electrical um, power to power these cameras. Is that correct? Okay, thank you. Thanks. Questions? Okay, uh, before I open for public comment, happy to do that. I just want to say welcome to the community members. Mary, come on up. <laughs> welcome to the community. Thanks for coming out. Uh, and welcome to our staff who's here. So with that, public comment, please. Great Reyes Station. I'm a member of Main Street Moms. As many of you may know or may not, uh, the resident council some time ago invited various members, uh, regular people, to from Main Street Moms to attend the uh, every other week maintenance meeting with MHA staff. Uh, residents and people from assigned people from Main Street Moms who try to kind of keep a list of all the various projects, what's happening, what progress is being made, and it's basically to be a witness to take notes on behalf of the resident council. And um, Kimberly, I want to say we're thrilled to hear about all of the capital improvement projects at all of the facilities, but I'm wondering. Um, what we have learned from the maintenance meetings is that there is quite a bit of turnover among maintenance staff uh, and that many of the maintenance staff who are hired aren't really appropriately trained for the jobs that they are given. So uh, given all these new projects that you're doing, we're wondering what's being done to make sure that maintenance is appropriately staffed by people who are appropriately trained. And in particular, um, it's my understanding that the availability of nighttime and or weekend uh, emergency calls, uh, that's not available now because of lack of staff. So I'm just wondering how all those pieces of the puzzle fit together. Thank you. Great, and uh, we'll have commentary after uh, our other commenters. Please come on up, Royce. Yes. Um, Royce McLemore, I want my question is how many uh, people are actually being housed from the preference bringing families back? I know that that was why we're okay. Great. Many. Well, Royce, we'll we'll respond to that after we close public comment. Okay. Good afternoon. Hi, I'm Gail Basin, Main Street Moms, Friends of Golden Gate Village. Just to follow up on Mary's comments about appropriately trained. When we first started going to the maintenance meetings, we were kind of surprised to learn that there was nobody there who was a trained or licensed electrician or plumber or carpenter. And everyone seemed to be jack of all trades who were being taught on the job. But my big question was, well, who's, who's training them, who's mentoring them if you don't have people who are basically licensed? And I don't really know what the whole job qualification is and how the jobs are posted, but if there are vacancies now and you have an opportunity to perhaps upgrade some of those uh, maintenance positions so you can get people that are trained with either a license 
or have been through a substantial part of an apprenticeship mm -hmm. program, that would be terrific. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Let's go online and see if there's anyone. Yes, uh, the first speaker is High Pitch Eric. Please unmute. Oh, hi, High Pitch Eric uh, dropped. Uh, there are no additional speakers in the queue. Okay, we will bring this back in. Uh, if you would like to respond, Kimberly, to some of the comments that have been made, I'd welcome that. Sure. Um, so we do have a an emergency on-call staff person who has just been hired, I believe just hired. Yes? We're waiting for the final. Um, but in the, in the interim, we have, and we did include the resident council on that, um, on that panel to select that, the person, and we are hiring, we are, so that job will be filled. And that is a, a person who is on call, so their job is to answer the, the emergency line. So our emergency line actually goes to a, a voice, um, an answering service. And then if it is an emergency, we do deploy the staff person to go out to the unit. If not, it will be, you know, we'll address it in the next morning. But they are available in the evenings and on the weekend. And while we were in the transition between our staff, our, our maintenance manager has been filling that position. So that there shouldn't have been any, any missed service there at all on our on our own call. Um, as far as our staffing goes, um, we do have different classifications in our, in our um, maintenance. We have uh, maintenance technician ones that are really uh, entry-level maintenance staff, and then we have um, maintenance workers and maintenance specialists. And a lot of the specialists do have a, um, a specialty in painting, plumbing, electrici uh, electricity. Um, not, all, not all of them do, they, that is correct. Uh, but we are, as we're trying to hire, we do try to hire some of the specialists and then we have some of the workers. We use a lot of vendors because some of the work we have, you know, is really we need a, a plumber or we need some, an electrician to come in and help us with the boilers. So a lot of the work does, un unfortunately, does require a, um, a, a, a vendor. Um, but there are different tiers and we do hire as, as, as um, with what we need at the time. As far as the bringing families home back, I don't know that off the top of my head. I do know that the folks who put that as a preference did come to the top of our wait list based on the way that the wait list was structured. And we're housing families um, as quickly as we can. And so as those folks are coming to the top. No, they don't always come to the very top. I want to be clear, domestic violence, uh, somebody if they're a, a domestic violence victim, there are other priorities that would bring people to the top of the list, but not many. So most of these families that we're housing will be co coming from that preference, but I don't know the number, I, and I can find that for Ms. Ms. Royce. Yeah, if you would, and then if you could bring that back next month too, that would be great. Uh, and I would just also like mm -hmm. to say as chair, as to the uh, maintenance people, the question, we, we had been discussing employee retention and hiring in general. And so I just want to everyone to understand there's sort of a larger issue there about who we can attract and maintain. Uh, so just understand, but we are focused on this. So uh, I am gonna close public comment now if there's anything, but I, and I wanna use the chair's prerogative if our attorney will allow me and my colleagues will agree. I would actually like to move item 13G 
which is our landscaping contract to the next item and let all of our community who's here for that uh, uh, hear that item and then continue. So is there anything I need to do procedurally or just nods of heads to my colleagues okay by you? Okay, great. 13G it is. Welcome, Chris. All right, there we go. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I'm glad to be back again this month, and I apologize for last month, what happened, and I think we worked that out. Uh, been working very closely with county council on this round, and we've uh, met quite a bit, and also with uh, Ms. Royce, and worked out all the details of it, so we're back. And so, if you don't mind, I want to talk about this box. I brought this box last time. This is the box of documents from the last round of when WAP was doing landscaping for 16 years. This is essentially full of accolades of how, I'm just gonna talk loud because I think it sounds better. This is essentially accolades for how well the property was, was kept up. There's discussion in here about um, whether this was the best maintained property in HUD's portfolio. So about how to name it that or how to, if there's some way we can get that award. So that's what excites me and that's why I'm here and that's why we worked so hard to put this together. I think all of us at MHA are really excited about working with with uh, WAP on this, and that, not to mention all the benefits for the people who are in the program of learning new skills that are marketable skills, that type of thing, pride in their community, and that that's all in this box. So it's all proven, it's all happened before. So bringing that back is, is something I'm, we're all very excited to be involved in, so yeah, thank you. Well, that's super. Do you want to give us a little more detail? <laughs> 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 we know, we've got the accolades, that's a great start. Right. <laughs> now what you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so this is a three-year contract, uh, <laughs> and it's uh, not to exceed value of seven hundred twenty-six four four over the three years. And there is some understanding there's going to be some development going on, so that's going to be adjusted a little bit, right? As things happen on the property, that may uh, some areas will not be worked on, some will. So that's kind of built in as well. Um, it is a section three contract and so we'll be doing some a little bit of extra things to assist WAP. We have kind of small things like a dumpster that we're providing and some space on site for storage of equipment. Um, I'm trying to think of, oh I'm sorry. Okay so uh, yeah section three is, is a preference that HUD gives to uh, low income businesses, and especially businesses that are owned by uh, residents of the, of the property. And so uh, we, we have quite a bit of flexibility to work with those types of businesses to provide extra things for them to make sure that they um, can, you know, succeed with what they're doing. So, so we're doing that. Uh, the scope is pretty extensive. I think it's, if you look at it, it's five days a week. We're going to have people working, I think, um, at least three if not or four people working all day doing different tasks. Garbage pickup is a huge part of it. I think the first hour of every day is garbage pickup, which is something that is desperately needed on site. And then your normal aspects of landscaping like uh, mowing, trimming, raking, that type of stuff. So, yeah. Okay, great. 
I'm going to ask my colleagues if there are any questions about this. I see Catherine. I just want to clarify, uh, MHA will still be picking up uh, furniture that residents put out. You'll yes. handle that, right? Yep, so that's not part of the scope of this contract. That's something okay. we'll, we'll And this contract is the same contract as we had previously or that we have right now until we vote women helping all people in, right? It's are the you, same. Are you, th are you mentioning the current contract with our current landscaper? Yes, or yes. The one difference with this is that uh, tree trimming is not part of this contract. Okay. So we've kind of adjusted the scope a little bit because of the contractor's license requirement. So we've worked with the actual worked with the state contractor's licensing board to have this approved so that it's it's uh, Okay. And it and then I want to congratulate you and I want to congratulate women helping all people because I happen to know for a fact that it was immaculate yes. and that she did an amazing job. And all her her whole company did an amazing job and they kept it ship shape and we should get an award. That's it. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Other questions, please. Just one I had looking at the scope right now related to tree trimming. There's an item about fire break of 30 to 100 feet must be maintained. Is that for included in this contract or is that separate from? Yeah, I believe that's included in this contract, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, if there are no further questions, I'd like to open to public comment on this item uh, before we vote on it. Yes. Hello, Royce. Yes. <clears throat> I'm uh, Royce McLemore, the um, president of Women Helping All People. And I just want to first really just thank God for uh, being blessed with the opportunity again uh, when we, it's been 14 years. And I could just truthfully say that once it was, you know, wrongfully take, took from us, that I had to really come to my own because it was set up to create, and that's what I tell everybody. If you're looking for something that you could justify, uh, you know, neglect, demolition by neglect, they've done an excellent job. Um, and that, you know, any group setting, people would always talk about women helping all people and how it used to look and look at it now. So uh, with, with that being said, uh, you know, I, I'm happy, I, but I had to tell Chris, I have to wait until the vote because of the last go around. And uh, I saw Brian when he was leaving um, county council. And so he said, well, I hear that everything got worked out. I said, yes, you saw it, because I left here the last month and went straight to his office and showed him uh, what HUD law says. And so I said, well, it's in plain English. So I'm, I'm thankful and of course, I'm gonna do the, the best that, um, that I can do. And like I told my, the crew in the past, think of this as you're painting the Golden Gate Bri Bridge. You never get finished. And so, uh, you know, and they talk about me as it relates to, you know, cigarette butts and this, that, and the other. And so, <clears throat> yes, Royce is going to be on that <laughs> because that was our goal then and it is now to make this the best-looking complex, not public housing, but complex within Marin City. 
and um, I'm just, now I can smile. All right, all right. Okay, is there, thank you. Uh, anyone else in the chambers before we go online? Okay, we'll go online there. Are there any commenters online? For the computers, there are no speakers in the queue. All right, I'll bring it back for the board to take a vote. I'd be happy to move the item, move the contract. Okay, I think we had uh, uh, Super Commissioner Rice and then Commissioner Canson. Uh, it was a close second from Commissioner Sackett. Okay, we had a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay, that contract is approved. Congratulations. <laughs> Okay. Okay. We look forward to seeing you and your crews out there, Royce. Thank you. Yes. So now I'm going to take us back in our regular order, and that will be item 13D. This is a request to receive a presentation on Housing Authority's fiscal 2022 audit report. And for this item, we have um, Rich Larson, uh, who's our auditor. He could be added, and um, Nick Zoe, our CFO, will be able to give us an update on this. Mr. Larson is in the session. Good afternoon, commissioners. Uh, so this item, as we know, is for the 2022 Rural Housing Authority Financial Statement Audit Report, and also 2022 Financial Statement Audit Report for the Fairfax. Uh, so as you know, uh, public housing authorities are required by HUD to have the audit done by an uh, independent auditor every year. Marin Housing has engaged with uh, Nova Gradic for the second year um, for the audit service, and the, the audit um, uh, has been uh, completed um, by our auditors. Um, please note that uh, what uh, we've sent you uh, in the board packet is, is the draft report, and, and the reason for that is because at the time of uh, you know the, the due date for the board packet, there was one audit procedure uh, uh, that was you know still being finalized. I think Rachel Larson will, will speak to that uh, you know in a little more detail. Uh, but as of now, as of today, the audit report has been completed. Uh, I, I think I believe there is no change to the draft report. Uh, again, you know, Rich, Rich will will uh, touch a little bit on that, and he will he will give you more information on that. Um, but uh, uh, with all being said, I will turn to Rich. He's from Nova Gradic. He will give you more information on audit report, and uh, I will be here to answer any question that you have. Great, thank you, Nick, and um, uh, good afternoon, commissioners. Uh, my name is Rich Larson. As uh, Nick said, I'm a part of Renova Gratic and Company. Um, and just briefly before I go into the Housing Authority audit, yes, in your package is an audit for Fairfax Vest uh, Enterprise Fund. Uh, that is required audit by California HCD, but that is included in your Housing Authority audit, so it'll, it's covered in, in the Housing Authority audit. 
uh, so we won't really go over that. But we did give an unmodified opinion, and there were no compliance issued for that for that report. Um, if I may, uh, if I could share my screen, I um, we already went through the audit report with management and the audit committee um, uh, in great detail. So what I'll do is I'll just maybe summarize. I pulled out about six pages. Um, just to give you a, a summary of, of, of that report, and I'll just hit some of the highlights if that's okay. And if anybody has any questions along the way, um, you know, please jump in and, and ask. Uh, can everybody see the order report on their screen? Yes. Oh, great. Okay. Um, so, so this is, is page one of the order report, and this is our report of independent orders. This is one of three. There's actually three order reports in the package. And this is where we give an opinion on the authority's financial statements. And uh, what's highlighted in gold is basically we give the authority uh, an unmodified opinion on your financial statements. An unmodified opinion, although it doesn't sound great, that is the highest level of assurance that an auditor can give. And basically we're saying your financial statements referred to above present fairly in all material respects the financial position of the primary government, which is the housing authority, and also your discreetly presented component units, which is the Marin Housing Development Corp and the Marin County Housing Development Finance Corp um, as of your year end, December 31st. So. So um, I'm sure that was an expected opinion, but nonetheless, it's, it is nice to hear. And as we're talking about the financial statements of the authority um, or the finances of the authority, what I have on the screen now is uh, you know, page 12, if, if you're following in your package. Um, and this is your statement of financial position. Uh, for those of you that are familiar with business, this is like your balance sheet. It is a picture in time of the financial position of the authority. And where it says primary government, that's really what we're gonna be concerned with right now because that, that is the, the housing authority. And how, you know, we ordered about 70 housing authorities across the country, we do it in Novogratic. And one of the things, um, how I measure uh, a housing authority strength when I'm auditing them, and also how HUD measures a housing authority strength when we submit your financial statements to them through the REACT system is they look at your current assets and because they're measuring your liquidity. What is your ability to pay bills as they become due? And how you do that is you look at your current assets less your current liabilities at a particular period in time. And so you had about $18 million of current assets less about $3 million of current liabilities, and it gives you about $15.6 million of working capital. And that represents about 15, million, uh, 15 months of operating expenses. And given my experience and um, how HUD measures housing authorities, that is well above average. That signals very good financial management. That's not something that happens overnight. That is really years of good planning and managing budgets. Um, you know, the bad news about that is that a lot of those funds are tied up in federal and state programs and you can't access those for any housing purpose uh, in accordance with the mission of the authority. You have to 
a lot of those funds are restricted for the programs that they're in. But nonetheless, it shows you're running those programs very, very well. Um, you know, housing authorities, as you can see, most of them have millions and millions of dollars of what we call equity. Well, uh, in a government, it's called net position. Um, most of that money is tied up in sticks and bricks and buildings and so forth, and that is why HUD looks at liquidity. What is a housing authority's ability to pay bills as they become due? And um, your housing authority um, is well above average, and so that's a fantastic, fantastic outcome. Um, page 14 is your statement of revenues and expenses, and I just wanted to highlight a few items here. Uh, you know, you had annual operating revenue of 79 million, operating expenses of also 79 million. So we did show some operating profit of 243,000, and that's after taking non-cash charges of a million too. Um, so, so that is very, very positive for a housing authority. Many housing authorities uh, operate at a loss, so that is a, a very positive outcome. And I just wanted to point a couple things. I always like to um, to talk to board members ab about what is your overhead, what is your cost to operate the housing authority. Um, and so your annual overhead, and I count overhead as all these items that I highlighted in gold. Um, so what were what was your cost to actually turn the keys, open the housing authority doors up, pay your employees, maintain your buildings? Um, well, that was about $12.3 million, $12.4 million, which comes to about a little more than a million dollars per month. So you're running a, a, a pretty nice sized economic engine. And just real quick, as I mentioned before, um, you have about $15 million in working capital. You divide it by that monthly overhead of a million dollars. That gives you your 15 months of operating expenses. So that's a that's a formula that Nick can do, and I'm sure he he does monitor things things like that. So as far as a, a P&L standpoint, a statement of revenues expenses, very positive, showing that we're we're showing operating income, and we're showing a positive change in net position. Change in net position is like a net income uh, in the private enterprise. Okay, so finances are very good. Uh, so what, what is on your screen now? So the first part of what we do as auditors is we audit your financial statements, and that's what we talked about. We talked about the numbers. The second part is because of your level of funding uh, from the federal government and the authority expended over $75.5 million of federal money. Um, and so what we have to do as auditors is we have to test your compliance with all and when I talk about compliance what are all the strings attached to those federal dollars and are you spending the money the right way and are you following all those rules and regulations and it was kind of a perfect storm for that for the housing authority this year um, you know the way the audit program fell and the federal government provides us really with the audit program on how to test major programs um, so the programs that are highlighted had to be tested for compliance and for, and for us to give an opinion. Um, and it depends on the level of funding and, and how much expenditures you had. Some, some housing authorities in some years you may only have one program tested. Uh, some you may have several. This was very, very tough 
on your staff where we had to test five major programs, which resulted in us testing almost 96% of your federal awards. These are huge programs. You know, the voucher program mainstream has dozens of compliance requirements. And I say it was a perfect storm because so not only do we test five programs, all different departments with different compliance requirements, but we were just coming out of COVID where COVID, uh, you had a lot of waivers in a lot of these programs where you didn't have to do these compliance requirements. And a lot of them came back online um, in 2022. So the good news is, you know, we tested 70, uh, over 72 million of the 75 million in federal money. So that should give you very good assurance that you're, you're complying. Now, we did have a handful of comments that we filed in this report, mostly having to do with some of the items that there were previous waivers for that we didn't pick up on again in 2022. A few tenant file items, uh, a few inspection items across some of the different programs. And we list that in our schedule of findings and question costs. Uh, which is on page, starts on page 57. So if the board wants to read some of those findings, we did go through it in detail uh, uh, with, with the audit committee. So we gave a clean, unmodified opinions on a few of the programs, and we also qualified a couple of the opinions for some of the findings that we did have in some of the programs. Um, our main audit report was unmodified. Um, so that was relatively, um, good news and we did have some unmodified opinions in the programs along with a few findings that, that are listed. Um, as I mentioned, we ordered about 75, 70 or 75 housing authorities across the country. Um, this is a very tough period for housing authorities because of all the different changes because of COVID, the waivers, the new compliance requirements. We are seeing an uptick um, in, in, in compliance issues with, with housing authorities. Um, you know, getting back on board with all the different changes. Uh, Housing Authority put together a very comprehensive um, uh, corrective action plan, and I'm pretty confident that all these issues will be taken care of um, for, for next year. But overall, uh, my staff was very, very complimentary of, um, of the staff that you have at, at the authority. Um, I know you had a very long agenda today. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. If anybody has any questions now, I'd love to take those questions. If you have, uh, you want to think about it, you want to email me questions, you're more than welcome to do that. I work for the board. If for next year you have any comments or concerns about next year, um, I can um, incorporate any of your concerns into my audit plan. As I said, I, I work for the board, and that is a very appropriate thing to do. For instance, if, if we enter into a lot of construction contracts and you'd say, hey, Rich, I'd like you to really take a look at those, no, uh, those construction contracts, make sure they were procured properly, absolutely we can do that for you. If you had a lot of admissions to one particular program, we can make sure and, and expand our scope to include those admissions and, and so forth. So with that, I'll turn it back to the chair. And if you have any questions, um, I'd, I'd, I'd be glad to take them now or, or please email me. Rich, thank you for a great report. It was comprehensive and very accessible. Thank you for explaining the details to us. And also, it's great to have your perspective working for so many different housing authorities is great. So I'm going to turn to my colleagues now and see if they have any questions. I'm not seeing any to my left. 
Uh, I wanted to give our audit subcommittee, uh, Commissioner Rodoni and Commissioner uh, Rice, just a moment to make any comments about the process and uh, for the findings. Yeah, no, thank, thank you. Um, uh, yes, we met as a subcommittee and heard uh, basically the same report a little bit more in depth. And I think the one thing I wanted to highlight and um, maybe our auditor can go into a little more detail just to explain it because I think it's really important to understand is the um, our operating reserves and and we can look very flush and it's really important um, for us all to understand and the public to understand that um, monies are very much tied to programs. Um, so maybe he can go into a little that a little bit more. And then the other thing I think worth calling out is um, um, that what 80 or 90 percent of our total budget of upwards of 90 million is really passed through dollars. It's voucher money, et cetera, coming through. And I think that that's important to understand as well. Um, but uh, and um, overall, just like kudos to staff, frankly, it is a lot of paperwork uh, that you process and you're interacting with lots of folks. And thank you all our clients who are um, beneficiaries and I know appreciate the housing and they're asked to provide a lot of paperwork as well. And um, COVID was a challenge, um, but I, I think um, this audit report actually um, reflects a lot of a lot of due diligence and I dotting and T crossing. So thank you to staff. Yeah, I too want to thank staff and in particular Nick. Um, I think this is the second year with this auditor, and I find him to be very thorough, easy to communicate with, and you really feel like he's working for you as a board, as a commission, and I really appreciate that. And uh, looking forward to future discussions with him. And it's nice to hear his uh, conclusions that are positive, so thank you. Okay, right. Well, my commission chief. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, yeah, I do wanna uh, celebrate the auditor because I think he does do detail very well and he makes it very clear where the money's going to. Um, and I appreciate him taking the time to make sure that we understand each section of where that money's going to and how it gets allocated. And Nick and the staff. Okay, two things. I want to bring it back to Rich for a moment to respond to Commissioner Rice's comment, and then I understand we may have some public comments, so we'll take it uh, right after this. Sure, thank you, Commissioner. Um, so, governmental accounting requires um, governments to maintain funds, and funds are self balancing set of accounts that all have restrictions based on the grants and, and the funds that, that go into those separate funds. So whether it be public housing, housing choice voucher program, emergency housing voucher, capital fund program, um, various state and local HCD programs, they all have restrictions on use um, and allowability of, of costs. So, so the good thing is we've managed those programs very well, very efficiently. Um, and so we do have reserves in some of those funds, but those funds really are restricted for purpose. Um, and so you really have to take a real deep dive and to see what is really an unrestricted to be used for other housing purposes for, for for, uh, for the mission of the housing authority outside the particular program. 
So, so that's the short of, of governmental accounting there. Um, but, but that's really it. And, and I, I want to add, uh, audits by nature are historical. And what I don't like about audits is they're kind of negative. You're always telling <laughs> housing authorities what they did wrong, and, and the, you know, and so that I, I, I never liked that part of an audit. But I I I, I want to highlight again, you know, five major programs and the voucher cluster of programs, the three are the most comprehensive, the most compliance-driven programs that HUD offers. Um, and to <laughs> for us to audit five as major programs, there were literally hundreds of compliance requirements that we went through. Um, and that we verified that the authority was complying with. And, you know, we're required to report what we find. And so if you find one tenant file uh, was missing a document or two, you know, that's what we had to, that's what we have to report. But overall, I think it's a very positive report. Great. Thank you. Uh, we'll go to public comment now. I don't see anyone in the chambers uh, who wishes to speak. Is there anybody online? President Mullen Peters, there are no speakers in the queue. Okay, thank you. I will just bring this back to a motion to receive the report, if I could. I so move we receive the audit report. Okay, um, moved by Commissioner Rodoni, second by Commissioner Lucan. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Thank you to our staff. Thank you to Rich. We'll see you again next year. Thank you. I just want to say really quick, I, I also just want to acknowledge that the work that the staff does. Um, I, I don't know where I could fit that in, but um, they, it, the, the work that we serve 3,000 families every year and the, the volume of paperwork that comes through our offices is tremendous. And they all do it. I mean, you know, a lot of them are here and it, it is a lot of work. So um, I, I t the fact that there was a, you know, we've got audited and reviewed on all of these programs and we found a few little things that we can fix, it says a lot about the work that the team is doing and we've already rallied and figured out how we're going to fix those little, you know, those little issues and we won't have that next year. So we're really, I'm, I'm just really excited to be part of such a strong team of professionals who really care about what they're doing um, every day. So just wanted to get another shout out from me too on that. Okay, thank you, Nick. I like a little round of applause on a good audit. Great. <laughs> okay, that brings us to our next item, the uh, annual agency plan update for 2024. And Kathleen Wyatt, our Director of Oper Housing Operations, has um, been managing our agency plan for the last two years now. Two, almost two years. <laughs> Um, so, Mahad, so she is um, going to tell you about what we're, what we're changing. So this is the 2024 annual plan update. So it's the update to the five-year plan that we submitted earlier for 2021 through 2026. And we provided a 45-day public comment uh, opportunity, and, the, and it was advertised in the Marin Independent Journal. We had the plan available at our offices as well as on our website. Uh, we didn't receive any comments from the public so far, but that's what this hearing's for. Uh, we also met with the resident advisory board twice to discuss the, the overview of what the plan contained, and they submitted a written set of comments, which is included in here. And we provided our responses to those comments, which is also included. So some of the highlights of the update 
are that we have achieved 100% lease up in our housing choice voucher program and we plan to have a 98% occupancy in our public housing program by the end of the year. Uh, to prevent homelessness, uh, we mentioned earlier the project-based voucher programs that are being leased up right now. So that's 43 units at South Lucio and 66 or really 65 units at Vivalon here in San Rafael. Um, we've issued all allocated, we've all allocated shelter plus care emergency housing and mainstream vouchers, so that's an accomplishment. And we have new RFPs that are being considered for additional project-based voucher properties. Um, we have exceeded all goals in adding new FSS participants and establishing, establishing escrow accounts and graduating participants in that program. And, and we always have, that's always been one of our highlights. Um, as for the revitalization in public housing, we continue to transfer families to correct size units. And as you know, we, uh, you approved the rehabilitation revitalization option in November. And we are now meeting with residents bi-monthly to address maintenance concerns. And we plan to submit the Section 18 RAD application to HUD in 2024. what's included in the update. That sounds like a very good update. I'm gonna look at my board colleagues. Any questions at all? I have a question. Um, as far as the transferring families to correct size, did you already speak about uh, how that's going forward? Yes, we are, we're working with the resident council on creating a right size housing policy and we will plan to bring that policy to the board hopefully next month for approval so that we can we can work with families to who want to stay in in Golden Gate Village to remain in Golden Gate Village now and as we transition to into a into the section 18 rad conversion right i, I mean the part about um, working with families that until a one bedroom becomes available to stay in their unit until a one bedroom becomes available that, that it will be the policy that right. we will be trying to do. Yes, yes. Could you just say it out? <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> well, when we bring it back, um, what we're hoping to do is find a way, that we, we have found a way to uh, let people move back to the wrong size, in, incorrectly sized unit, and then be able to stay there until the right size unit becomes available, and then we can move them to that. But that's still in conversation and, and hasn't been adopted yet. Right. Yes, we're hoping to do that. Okay, I will ask you if there's any public comment on this. Is there anyone in the chambers who wishes to speak? Not seeing anyone. Is there anyone online? President Mullen Peters, there are no speakers in the queue. All right, we'll bring it back for a motion to receive the update. But before I do, Kathleen, thank you. That is a really positive report. Lots to be proud of on part of the whole staff. So thank you. Okay, is there a motion to approve, receive? receipt I move that we receive the approved too <laughs> we have a motion second. second a second right all in favor aye okay home stretch here we are at 13 E and no, D F let's talk about the housing choice voucher program quickly <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. 
So uh, on August 31st, uh, HUD published the uh, fair market rents, the FMRs, for 2024 um, for the Marin, San Francisco, San Mateo metropolitan area. Unlike last year, uh, when some of the payment standards or fair market rents had been reduced for a couple bedroom sizes, this year uh, the FMRs were increased for all bedroom sizes. So that's a positive. Uh, so you can see from the chart on this letter that what our payment standards are that are proposed, that's 110% of the fair market rents, as HUD allows. We're doing the, the maximum because we want to house as many people as possible and give them as many options in uh, Marin County as we can. Oh, it may be for lay people. Can you just say as rents increase in the Bay Area, what this additional allowance allows us to contribute more in the yeah, subsidies we offer? Yeah, there will be more housing opportunities out there because more units will fall within our payment standards. Super. Great. Kimberly? Yes, with our increased payment standards, we just can keep up with the market. So the, the rental market is increasing, and this allows us to stay in, in competitive so our families can continue to live throughout the county wherever they choose to live. And uh, so this is really helpful that we're able to increase these payment standards at this time as of um, October 1st. Fantastic, please, Commissioner Lucan. I'm curious, as these go up, um, do we have a, a way or a mechanism to inform all the landlords that have been in our program, either currently or historically, and this is good news to tell them the payment standards are going up and to consider uh, joining the program again if they have lapsed? We, well, we, we're working on the news, or we, we, do, we are doing a newsletter, so we can actually let folks know that way. Um, we, I, but I don't know that we've historically done that, but that might be a really good idea to just kind of try to recruit uh, landlords who have walked away, and maybe it's time if, to. If we've got the contact information, I think this is something they'd be interested in knowing. Yes, yeah. okay, good idea. Great, thank you. Good idea. Uh, any public comment on this item? Anyone in the chambers? Not seeing anyone, anyone online? President Walton-Peters, there are no speakers, thank you. Okay, with that, uh, we have public comment on items not on the agenda. Oh, we do, I'm sorry, skip that. Okay, let's. I, I move that we approve the annual payment standards for the housing choice vouchers. Second. Okay, thank you, motion great. by Rice, second by Lucan, all in favor? All right, Aye. great. And now to public comment. Anything we haven't talked about today that someone would like to comment? Not seeing anyone in the chambers, anyone online? All right, with that, thanks to our staff, thanks to the community, we are adjourned. Thank you. Elvira, this is Joyce. Uh, do you know that Homer was at the meeting? This yes, he did not rejoin. Okay, thank you. <laughs>